Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode three of the Weekend Sports Wrap podcast. I am your host, James Timberlake. Coming up, we will recap the Cowboys and Broncos losses over the weekend, as well as take a look at the rest of the college football and NFL slate, and not to mention the college basketball season getting tipped off this past week. But first, we will get a look at the local sports weekend. The Sheridan Bronc football team won the 4A state championship on Saturday over the Rock Springs Tigers 45-27. The Bronx started the game running back the opening kickoff 88 yards to the house, and they never looked back, leading pretty much the rest of the way. Running back Colson Kuhn was probably the player of the game for the Bronx, rushing 26 times for 230 yards with four touchdowns, one reception for 10 yards, and forced a fumble on defense as well. On defense for the Bronx, for the rest of the defense, Michael Greer led the team in tackles with eight total, and the 2021 championship for the Bronx is their 28th in total, far and away the most in any division in the state of Wyoming, and it is their seventh title since the game began being played in Laramie back in 2009. The end of the football season also marks the end of the fall high school sports season with no other high school sports action going on until after Thanksgiving break when the winter sports season gets underway. However, the Sheridan Hawks did play this past weekend, taking on the Badlands Sabres on Friday and Saturday. The Hawks won on Friday 6-3 with Caden McDonald and Makai Sparks scoring in the first period. Taylor Frericks and uh, McDonald scored in the second, giving McDonald a brace in the game. And then Frericks and uh, Nathan Iwuyami, Iwuyemi, excuse me, each scored in the third, rounding out the scoring for the Hawks and giving Frericks a brace as well. The Hawks dropped the second game, though, 3-2. to two. Their only two goals came in the first period, with McCaffrey Billings opening the scoring and Nick Teagues, uh, Nick Tiggs netting the uh, the other one in that game. The Hawks will be at home again this weekend, taking on the Bozeman Ice Dogs on Friday and Saturday, with the puck scheduled to drop at 7.30 in both of those games. The Wyoming Cowboy football team had a short week to prepare for the Boise State Broncos on Friday. The Pokes came in having never won a game against Boise State in Boise. And even though this one was close like all the other matchups between these two in Idaho, the, uh, the Pokes dropped it again 23-13 to in this one. Boise State was able to slow down the Wyoming rushing attack for the most part. However, quarterback Levi Williams had his best game to date through the air, throwing for 156 yards on 11 for 18 passing with a touchdown and one pick. Uh, Williams' pick wasn't entirely his fault coming off a deflection from his receiver, but it was a costly one coming late in the fourth quarter, and the return set up a 12-yard touchdown run that would end up giving Boise a 20-7 lead with 7.39 left in the game. Uh, Williams' favorite target all night was wideout Isaiah Nair, who had six receptions for 126 yards and a touchdown. In the backfield, Titus Swen was the lead back, getting 13 rushes for 59 yards and a touchdown, while Xavier Valade rushed nine times for 37 yards, which pushed him across the 3,000-yard mark in his career, becoming only the second Cowboy to ever rush for 3,000 yards, joining Brian Hill. The Wyoming defense played outstanding all game, holding the Broncos to 13 points until the late turnover gave Boise State great field position. Uh, Chad Muma led the way once again in tackles with 14, and Easton Gibbs had a great game as well with 12 total tackles, including one sack and two TFLs. The Pokes finished the game in a great way, but a terrible gut-wrenching way if you are a Boise State better. The Pokes came in as 13.5-point underdogs, and with the waning seconds ticking off the clock, and Boise State leading comfortably above that 13.5-point spread at 23-7, UW's Levi Williams found Isaiah Nair, and Nair ran it to 75 yards into the end zone with four seconds left in the game to give the Pokes an incredible backdoor cover with a final score of 23-13 to and a bad beat for Boise State spread betters, a loss that probably made them want to down a full bottle of wine that Friday night. The Pokes will have an extra day's rest, though. They will need it, and they will need it, uh, with their next matchup coming against next Saturday against uh, the division-leading Utah State Aggies. Utah State will come into this matchup as one of the top teams in the Mountain West, 
and they have done it with a very solid offense, uh, a very solid offensive play, especially through the air. They are a top 15 team in the country in yards per game, averaging 456.6 yards per play and yards per game, excuse me, and passing yards per game with 310.6 as well. They also run a ton of plays on offense, like a ton of plays, ranking fifth in the country in plays per game with 81 per game. That's a lot of plays. Uh, With that many plays, that means they also run the ball a lot, but they don't run it very efficiently, averaging just 3.4 yards per rush and 146 point yards, 146 yards per game as well. On the defensive side of the ball, they have been very middle of the pack in most of their statistical categories. One thing the Pokes might be able to exploit, though, will be the Aggies' rush defense, which allows 178 yards per game, which is in the bottom 30 in the country. It will be a primetime matchup for these two teams in Logan, Utah, with kickoff scheduled for 6 p.m., and we will see if the Pokes can pull off the upset and secure uh, bowl placement with their sixth win in the season when they take on the Utah State Aggies next Saturday. And you can listen to all the action live with pregame scheduled for 4.30 p.m. on 1410 AM and 106.9 FM KWYO. As for the rest of the college football landscape this weekend, the Florida Gators Florida Gators managed to survive a scare from an FCS team in Samford thanks to a 30-second half that limped the Gators to a 70-52 win, what looked like a basketball score. Uh, the 52 points given up by the Gators tied the most ever given up by an FBS opponent to an FCS foe. Dan Mullen is absolutely on his way out for Florida, especially after that one, and I can't imagine uh, the chaos that would have ensued in uh, in Gainesville had Samford pulled that off in the swamp. That would have been absolute madness. Uh, Oklahoma fell to Baylor in one of the early games of the day. It kind of felt like Oklahoma's first loss, first loss was written in the stars with how many game, how many close games they had uh, escaped all season, and their offense hasn't looked this defunct since Lincoln Riley first arrived back in 2015. Meanwhile, Baylor's win will propel Oklahoma State into the driver's seat of the Big 12 with with uh, Baylor not far behind. And Dave Arnada, the head coach for Baylor, has Lincoln Riley's number. I think he's two and zero against uh, or two and one, excuse me, against uh, against Lincoln Riley so far in their career. With uh, their first one coming in that disgusting loss as an Oklahoma fan, that disgusting loss against LSU in the playoff game that I stopped watching by halftime. Um, so yeah, Dave Arnada, he is he is no joke when it comes to Lincoln Riley. Uh, Mississippi State. Went on the road and beat Auburn 43-34. The loss to Mississippi State for Auburn isn't necessarily in itself that embarrassing. But get this, another Western Georgia team blew a 28-3 lead. Who would have thought? It's it's like you might as well make that the new name the new name of the state of Georgia is 28-3. Um, Auburn led 28-3 in the second quarter when Mississippi State scored 40 unanswered points and closed out the Tigers 43-34. Auburn gave up 415 yards through the air and six touchdowns to Will Rogers, quarterback for Mississippi State, five of them, which came in the second half uh, just two weeks ago. The Tigers were ranked 12th in the country and a clear and had a clear shot to the college football playoff if they were able to knock off Alabama and then uh, possibly Georgia in the SEC championship. Uh, but now the uh, the two losses in a row make it four straight years with at least four losses for Auburn. So things aren't looking good for Auburn right now, and probably the worst Miami to Florida Miami against Florida State matchup in the in their history. Uh, Florida State upset the Hurricanes 31 to 28. Miami came in with seven of their nine games featured featuring margins of four points or fewer, and they have had one of the most they had one of the most explosive final minute meltdowns this season. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch the final minute of this game because it is a travesty of what Miami football football should be. Um, I won't go through the whole thing, but the Canes gave up a fourth and 14 for a touchdown that gave Florida State the lead. Then head coach Manny Diaz let 30 seconds run off the clock while calling two consecutive timeouts and the attempted game-winning drive. And the cherry that topped it all off after a completion 
Quarterback Tyler Van Dyke ran to the line of scrimmage and spiked the ball with less than three seconds left, which by rule in the NCAA means the remaining time would be run off the clock and the game would be over. It was truly a mesmerizing and numbing experience of poor coaching and a true testament uh, to how much these two legendary programs have fallen off a cliff. Florida State now sits at 4-6 and six and hasn't had a winning season since 2017 and hasn't had more than eight wins in a season since 2016. And, and this team won the championship, national championship, just eight years ago with Jameis Winston. Um, it's crazy how far they've come. It's Both these teams, honestly. Miami isn't even in that much better of a place. They haven't been title contenders since their unbelievable teams of the early 2000s. And since 2003, have only posted one double-digit winning season. And not to mention their game on Saturday, more than likely, will get Manny Diaz fired come this offseason, which will start another coaching hire for Miami. I think it's like their sixth since 2003, since Larry Coker left in the early 2000s. Like fifth or sixth coaching hire in the in the last 10 years, which is... That's not a way to win uh, national titles there. I mean, they haven't hired anybody that's going to show them that showed them that they could do it. You know what I mean? So it's not like a, you know, it's not like they fired anybody early that was promising by any means. So it's they just they've missed the mark on about five coaching hires, and I have no no hope that they'll get the sixth one right. There's just no correlation between athletic department, football team. It just doesn't feel like it's meshing there. It's not working. So. Miami's in a, Miami's in a rut. What are you gonna do? Uh, but none of this, none of the other, none of the other things that happened in college football yesterday, or excuse me, Saturday, not yesterday. Today's Monday. Saturday could hold a light to what happened in Austin, Texas. One of the most beautiful, just that was a chef's kiss. One of the most beautiful things college football could could cook up that could cook up happened in Austin, Texas on Saturday. There's a tweet. From at Maple Cocaine that I kind of like to live by every day when it comes to scrolling through the internet. And it goes like this. Each day on Twitter or the internet, whatever you feel like, each day on Twitter, there is one main character. And the goal is to never be that character. The University of Texas was that main character on Saturday. And by association, so was the University of Kansas. The 1-8 Kansas Jayhawks strolled into Austin, Texas and beat the Texas Longhorns. 57 to 56 in overtime. The richest athletic department in the country lost to Kansas at home for the first time in the history of mankind, which means it's time to read a long list of stats that kind of put it into perspective because I love doing that and I love uh, reveling in the, the tears that are Texas Longhorns fans. Um, this is from ESPN Stats and Info. Kansas entered the game 0 and 100 as an underdog of at least 24 points since 1978, by far the worst win loss record. In the FBS over that span, Texas entered Saturday 79 and 0 as a favorite of at least 24 points since 1978. Uh, this one from at editor Edge on Twitter: Kansas had lost 56 straight Big 12 road games coming into Saturday, and they hadn't won a road Big 12 game since George W. Bush was president in October of 2008 until Saturday. Here's another one from at Kevin on CFB on Twitter. Since 2011, there are four teams who have lost multiple games to Kansas, Southeast Missouri State, South Dakota, Central Michigan, and now Texas. Finally, this one kind of put the supposed talent disparity into perspective um, from at Reddit CFB on Twitter. Texas has 52 players who were rated as four stars or higher as recruits, and Kansas has one. They had one entering that game. This is why I love college football. Literally anything can happen. Oklahoma was the main character up until this game. I, for the most part, Oklahoma was the main character of the week 
up until this game. But this is why I love college football, man. Literally anything can happen any given week. Kansas, who has been the whipping boy for most of the rest of college football, they haven't had more than four of uh, four game four wins in a season since 2008, and uh, defeated the second most. They defeated the second most valuable college football program period in the country. Is there any sport that is more fun week to week than college football? Unless you're Texas right now, I'm gonna say no. And you know what? This is this wheezes for you, Texas. <laughs> They lost to Kansas. Oh boy, that's a it's a bad loss. They're four and five now. They might not even make a bowl game. Uh, they don't call in seven win Sark for nothing. All right, that was a that was a weird hire. Everybody thought that was a weird hire at the time, and now you're four and six, and the sky is falling again. After whatever five years of having the sky fall before, the sky is falling again. It's a good day, even though I lost. It was a good day on Saturday. Delicious McDonald's deals are now more fun, more accessible, and better than ever through the McDonald's mobile app. Get free large fries when you download the app and join my McDonald's rewards. Get your choice of hash browns, vanilla cone, McChicken, or cheeseburger free after your first purchase. The new mobile ordering feature lets you use your smartphone to place your order, pay for it, pick it up. Go to Google Play or Apple App Store and download the new McDonald's mobile app and start saving today. McDonald's, there's an app for that. The college basketball season got underway this past week. The Wyoming Cowboys opened the season at home against the Detroit Mercy on Wednesday and won 85 to 47. Then they took on Arkansas Pine Bluff at home and won that one as well, 85 to 45. Forward Graham Mike looks like to looks like he's a legit player, ladies and gentlemen. Led the team in points for both games with 22 and 21 respectively, and senior guard Hunter Maldonado led the team in assists with nine and four respectively in each game. They'll get their first real test on Thursday when they travel to Washington to take on the Huskies with first tip scheduled for 9 p.m. You can listen to all the boys' games on 1410 a.m. and 106.9 FM, KWYO, all season long. On the girls' side, they opened up at home against Colorado State Pueblo and won 67-53 with Quinn Weideman, excuse me if I'm saying that wrong, leading the team in scoring with 13 points. However, the Cowgirls dropped their second game against Wichita, Wichita State at home, 57-48. McKinley Bradshaw led the, Cow, the Cowgirls in scoring in that one with 22 points, while senior guard Tommy Olsen led the team in assists for both games with five in each game. They'll travel to Kansas City to take on the Kansas City Ruse. On Thursday, and you'll be able to listen to all the Cowgirls games all season long on Smart Talk 106.3 FM. Moving on to the NFL, the Denver Broncos followed up their impressive defeat of the Dallas Cowboys with a disappointing loss to the Philadelphia Eagles this week, 30-13. The Eagles came in and silenced the mile-high crowd, dominating from start to finish. The Broncos were on the verge of tying the game at the end of the third quarter, but a scoop and score from Darius Slay put the Eagles up 14 and it immediately took the life out of Denver, the uh, the Denver offense. Teddy Bridgewater was his usual conservative self under center. He completed just three passes beyond three passes beyond 10 yards while pri- prioritizing getting the ball out quick with an average 2.23 second time to throw and 7.6 yard average depth of target. Bridgewater also tallied zero big time throws and at least one turnover turnover worthy play for the first time this season. This is the problem with Teddy Bridgewater. He can be a good quarterback for basically any team, if they're winning. Uh, he doesn't turn the ball over very much. He doesn't really put any team at risk uh, of losing, of turning the ball over in that sense. But if you're behind, Teddy Bridgewater does not you know, really turn it up. He doesn't, he doesn't want to make those big throws down the field that will get you into field goal position or into the red zone like that. He will nickel and dime you for 
10 to 15 play drives every drive, doesn't matter what the score is. And that's the problem with having a quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater, why you'd rather have somebody like Justin Herbert, who, I mean, maybe not recently, but at the start of the year was really slinging the ball downfield every time he got the ball, or Patrick Mahomes, who, yes, he's been turnover-prone all season, but a lot of it has to do with luck. He's been very unlucky all season. And I'd rather have somebody like Patrick Mahomes who can sling it around like that than somebody who just nickels and dimes you to death even when you're losing by a substantial margin. So that's the problem with somebody like Teddy Bridgewater. He may be the guy when you're winning. He does a lot of good stuff. He's very conservative with the ball, and that's a nice thing to have when you're winning if you're not turning the ball over and you're still getting first downs from that conservatism. But when you're losing, it can become a problem. There's no He's not making those big-time throws like he should be. Um, moving on. In the running back room, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams were both equally efficient with the ball in their hands until Gordon was the one that fumbled that ball, that uh, the ball that led to the scoop and score. Both backs nearly averaged over five yards per carry, and Gordon and Gordon scored in the uh, group's lone touchdown in the first quarter. It was a big day for uh, Denver's tight ends. Both Noah Fant and Albert uh, Okuwebunam, uh, Okuwebunam, I think it's Okuwebunam, went for over 50 yards in the game, and Okuwebunam getting uh, captured a 64-yard catch and run that set up a uh, field goal as well. Um, Jerry Judy led the, the receivers with six receptions for 48 yards, but half those yards came on the final drive with Denver down by 17. The offensive line struggled to protect Bridgewater all day with all five linemen conceding at least three pressures in the game. Both Calvin Anderson and Lloyd Cushenberry led the team in pressures, pressures allowed with four, and Anderson's leading to two QB hits as well. On the defensive side of the ball, Draymond Jones earned an elite pass rush grade on the line for Pro Football Focus after telling pressures on 22 pass rush snaps. Jones also played well against the run, forcing two defensive stops and two tackles for losses or no gain. He was also the only defensive lineman to receive an overall grade of above 76 from PFF from this game. For the linebackers, Kenny Young played nearly every defensive snap, leading the unit with five tackles and one defensive stop, and was far and away the best middle linebacker that played today or played on Sunday out of the out of that group with both uh, Baron Browning and Curtis Robinson posting sub 30 defensive grades on the day, with Robinson missing two tackles, which accounted for 40% of his opportunities. Uh, Kenny Young did struggle in coverage, though, allowing four receptions for 45 yards. The whole linebacking core struggled in coverage, um, but Kenny Young allowed four receptions for 45 yards and three first downs. In the secondary, outside of the two touchdown passes allowed by Patrick Sertain and Kyle Fuller, the Broncos secondary held up pretty well in coverage. Justin Simmons continues to have a great few weeks, not allowing a reception all at all and accounted for uh, an interception as well. The defensive backs were responsible for 129 yards, but combined for four defensive stops against the past. Uh, against the pass, excuse me, Ronald Darby gave up four receptions for 40 yards and three first downs. It was a tough game on both sides of the ball for the Broncos, and uh, with the Eagles' rushing attack, they ran for 214 yards while extending drives, leading to the Eagles having nearly 35 minutes of possession, giving them total control of this game. Uh, the Broncos couldn't finish drives off either. Uh, they crossed the Eagles' 25-yard line five times and only reached the end zone once. Uh, Gordon's one-yard run in the first half was that lone touchdown. They fumbled away many good, no pun intended, they fumbled away many good opportunities throughout the game, including a 22-yard field goal try that was blocked by Eagles safety Kayvon Wallace and almost who slipped through the offensive line untouched almost in the exact same way that happened last week um, in that punt with against the Cowboys. Um, obviously, this was a lot different circumstances. If you're up by 30, it's a lot different when you give a punt, a punt block, but when you're down, it looks a lot worse. Uh, the Broncos are now... 1-20 under Vic Fangio when trailing at halftime, and with a win on Sunday, would either they would uh, they would have entered their bye week at 6-4 and four and tied for first in the AFC West, but instead 
are now 5-5 five and five with a week for the other AFC West teams to extend their lead out in the division more than it already is. And after their bye week, the Broncos will take on the Los Angeles Chargers at home on Sunday, the 28th, and I will have a preview of that one for you next week. One quick thing I want to point out, I want to say, about the Teddy Bridgewater um, non-tackle that was, or fake tackle, I don't even know what he was trying to do, but the thing is, we don't want any of our quarterbacks going to make a tackle. We saw Baker Mayfield try to do it earlier this season, and he screwed up his shoulder that he's still trying to recover from. Tom Brady doesn't go for those tackles. Of course he doesn't. Nobody else goes for those tackles. The problem with it was, I want my quarterback literally sprinting to the other side, into the into the, into the the out-of-bounds marker if there is a fumble or an interception. Get out of the way. I do not want you to get hit by an offensive lineman, by a, or by a, uh, or excuse me, a defensive lineman, by a linebacker or a safety. Get out. Go to the out-of-bounds. And stay away. I do not want you getting hurt. But what Teddy did that didn't make any sense. He said a, he he was like it looked like it looked like he acted like he was going to tackle him, and then he didn't, which was worse because it made it it ended up like he almost screamed off one of his uh, one of his teammates that was trying to make a tackle. It was really weird. It's like his um, he had a mental block that he was somebody was telling him to t- try to make the tackle, and then his quarterback instincts clicked on and he was like I can't do this I'm going to I'm going to get myself hurt which thankfully he didn't if he would have gone for the tackle and got hurt they were the Broncos were in much more trouble than they would have been just after that game but I don't know I, I I don't give him as much hate as everybody else is giving him nobody goes for tackles no no quarterback goes for tackles on interceptions or fumbles that's just you know it's the way the game works and you don't want him getting hurt anyway so just run to the sideline Teddy don't even worry about it or just crawl curl up in a ball and everybody have everybody run around you. That'll that'll work too. Um, across the rest of the NFL last week, Kansas City played in prime time against Las Vegas, and the Chiefs dominated, winning forty-one to fourteen. The Chiefs may have gotten their rhythm back at the expense of the Raiders in this one. And uh, Patrick Mahomes throwing it through for four hundred yards and five touchdowns. And if the Chiefs get hot, if the Chiefs get hot, they could very easily be back in the conversation as the best team in the league. As it is wide open, it is as wide open as we have seen the NFL in years. I don't know who the best team is. I still don't know. It's been three weeks now, and I couldn't tell you who the best team in the league is. And the Chiefs could do it, and they're six and four right now. They could be the best team in the league. I don't know. It's crazy. Uh, the other best team in the league, I think, the Packers, were at home at a snowy Lambeau Field, taking on the Seattle Seahawks, and the Pack shut out Russell Wilson and the Seahawks seventeen to nothing. Wilson came back from a finger injury, did not play well. But neither did Aaron Rodgers, who was coming off the COVID list. It was Wilson's first time being shut out in his professional career and Seattle's first scoreless game in 10 years. Uh, something I never thought I'd say, this Green Bay defense may be better than their offense, honestly. It uh, especially has been in the past two weeks. Obviously, that one week doesn't really count. Um, and that could get the pat. But overall, their defense could get the Packers over the, the, the 10-year hump they've had and uh, back into the Super Bowl if they keep playing the way they have been. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings... Went on the road and beat the Los Angeles Chargers 27 to 20. This game could pay huge dividends down the road in the in the uh, in the NFC and AFC wild card race. After starting the season four and one, the Chargers have quietly dropped three of their last four, and it'll be working uphill if they want to make the wild card. Nonetheless, win the AFC West. On the other side, this is what the Vikings do, man. They play up and play down to their competition, so they'll win this game, then maybe play close against the Packers. And then they'll go drop the games against the 49ers in two weeks. And then in three weeks, they'll lose to the Lions. That's just peak Vikings, man. That's what they do. Um, It was probably the story of the day on Sunday. Cam Newton came back home to the Carolina Panthers and was responsible for two touchdowns. He didn't play very much. I think he played four snaps in his first regular season action since 2020. Um, 
his 2020 stint with the uh, Patriots. Um, the Panthers thoroughly dominated the shorthanded Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals didn't have Kyler Murray again. They didn't have D-Hop again. So, you know, chalk that up for what you will. Um, but they won. The Panthers won 34-10, to so it's not like it was close. And even though P.J. Walker got the start for the Panthers, Newton was the story of this game. It was cool to see him back in a Panthers uniform. Um, in the upset game of the day, the Washington football team beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home 29-19. to Another team, Tampa Bay, that should be the best team in the NFC, but they're losing games like this. It doesn't make any sense. Um, every team seems to have one of those guys, especially, I don't know, it's weird. Every team seems to have one of those guys that goes absolutely nuts against certain opponents. And for Ty- Taylor Heineke, it appears to be Tampa Bay for him. He played better today than he had than he did in that playoff game against the Bucks last season that basically secured him a job in the NFL, completing 80% of his passes for 256 yards and a touchdown. Not to mention, he directed one of the best drives of the season so far, clinching the game with a 19-play, 10-plus-minute drive that drained the clock and won Washington this game. However, there was some bad news for WFT. Star defensive end Chase Young appeared to have torn his ACL halfway through the third, or excuse me, the second quarter. It's incredible how significant injury, how significant, how many significant injuries have happened on the northwest end of that god awful stadium. Um, the most compelling argument for a new stadium in DC is just the fact that it's a safety hazard. At this point, they'll just they'll get the money just off of that alone. Um, moving on, the Dallas Cowboys bounce back very impressively against the Atlanta Falcons at home, beating Atlanta forty three to three. It was a revenge game for former Falcon head coach and now Dallas defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, and he got his revenge by nearly shutting out his former team. This one was over by halftime with the Cowboys going into the break with a 36 to 3 lead and only second and only scored one time in the second half and Dallas brought out the second team after that score. It was a it was a big game for Dallas. They they didn't like uh they didn't like all the people talking about how they were how they were frauds and uh they showed it. Um the Detroit Lions and Pittsburgh Steelers, oh the beautiful game of the day. Uh they ended the game tied 16 to 16. Love ties after neither team could score in overtime. A, uh, a lot of people hate ties in football, but it's games like these where I'm okay with them because like neither team deserved to win this game. I don't want either one of these teams to have a W next to their next to their record after a game like this. Uh, Lions QB Jared Goff had 114 yards in five quarters of football, and their kicker Ryan uh, Santoso was moved from kicking to punting in college, then was signed by the Lions to be their backup kicker and was filling in for the injured Austin Seibert. And of course, it's the Lions. Missed the game-winning field goal in overtime. So, Lions are going to lie in. Uh, for the Steelers, though, they were playing without Ben Roethlisberger and were obviously equally as bad as the Lions without him turning the ball over three times, including two fumbles two fumbles in the overtime period alone. They had a chance to win it with, I think, six seconds left or something like that, and they fumbled it on the opponent on the Lions' like 25-yard line, and uh, they blew it. Lost it. Tied the game, blew the blew the win for him. Um, I didn't know the feelings I was feeling when I was watching this game. Was it embarrassing? Was it funny? Was it all of the above? I don't know. Part of me wants to experience it again, while the other side of me like wants to go use one of the emergency showers you find in high school science classrooms. So, I hope it happens again. Uh, the Buffalo Bills dominated the Jets on the road, forty-five to seventeen. Quarterback Mike White did his best to destroy the small glimmer of hope he was giving Jets fans for the past uh, few weeks with a dreadful game against the Bills. Uh, the Bills, again, dominated a bad team as they have all season except for that one game against the Jazz. And I don't know if I fully believe in this uh, in this Bills team yet. They, they have, uh, they, their wins have come twice against the Dolphins, the Texans, the Chiefs when they were a wreck, and the Jets, not exactly a shining group of wins. 
Uh, the toughest matchup will come in early December against the Buccaneers, but other than that, they will have a uh, an easy an easy victory or excuse me an easy schedule uh, the rest of the way. So they should have no problem winning the AFC East with the schedule that they have. The New England Patriots, though, dominated the Cleveland Browns in Foxborough, forty-five to seven. There is nobody better on planet Earth. I will live by this till I die. There is nobody better on planet Earth at making a quarterback that would be classified as good. You know, good, not elite, nothing like that. Good to great. But uh, nobody's better at making them look terrible than Bill Belichick. He is the king of that. The Browns haven't won on the road in New England in 29 years. To put that into perspective, Bill Belichick was coaching the Browns the last time they beat the Patriots in Foxborough. That's how long it's been. Um, On the other side, the Patriots have snuck their way into the playoff conversation. Just one game out of first place in the AFC East, and the Pats may have very well got the best quarterback out of that 2020 NFL draft. Mac Jones was fantastic against the Browns. and made a couple throws that were uh, that were eye opening, especially for a rookie. Titans were at home and held on to beat the New Orleans Saints twenty three to twenty one. I saw a poll one day early in the season that uh, asked whether you would trade a day two pick, so a second or a third rounder for Ravens kicker Justin Tucker, and I couldn't have clicked yes faster as a Vikings fan. Yes, just get rid of that day two pick. Give me Justin. T- give me um, Justin Tucker for whatever the next five to ten years. I, w- I would gladly take that. Uh, The Saints are probably feeling that today, too, I bet, after their new kicker, Brian Johnson, missed two extra points that cost the Saints the game early on. Uh, Meanwhile, the Titans have now won six games in a row and are easily the hottest team in the NFL. They are the best team in the AFC until proven otherwise, in my mind. They have have the wins against Buffalo and could very easily finish the season 15-2 with the easiest remaining schedule statistically in the NFL. Wouldn't it be great if you could get McDonald's delivered right to your door? Well, now you can. McDonald's has teamed up with the delivery app, DoorDash. Just download the DoorDash app in the App Store and you'll see the McDonald's menu. Order your favorite McDonald's food and have it delivered right to your door. It's super easy and convenient to have your favorite McDonald's delivered. Go to the App Store, download the DoorDash app, and have McDonald's delivered to your house or business today. The Indianapolis Colts won at home over the Jacksonville Jaguars, twenty-three to seventeen. The Jags are still the Jags, even after that win against the Buffalo or against the uh, against the Buffalo Bills last week. Quarterback Trevor Lawrence has cut down on the turnovers, but has yet to have that breakout game you expect to see from the number one overall pick. But the weapons that he has, aside from James Robinson and Lavisca Chenault Jr., are nothing to really write home about either. The the Jags are just Jags are bad. They're bad. That's you know. They'll get better, but, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, he's going to be a good quarterback, but their weapons aren't very good. It's crazy. This team, this Jags team, was in the AFC Championship, what, seven years ago against the Patriots? They nearly went, went to the Super Bowl. It's a completely different team now, but that's so that's very weird to think about. Um, for the Colts, Carson Wentz told his wife, Madison Oberg, that if she went into labor on Sunday, he was still going to play in the game on Sunday. And it's a good thing he did because he wouldn't be able to see running back Jonathan Taylor have another great game out of the backfield with 116 yards and a touchdown. But luckily for Wentz, Madison did not go into childbirth, and he will get to be there for the second most important part of a man's life behind watching Jonathan Taylor run, of course. Finally, the Miami Dolphins beat the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday night football 22-10. to Just when I was talking about Lamar Jackson being the MVP of the league so far, Thursday night happens and we're back to square one. Baltimore came into this matchup having beat Miami in the last nine meetings, and um, and won the last three meetings by excuse me eight of they won eight of the last nine meetings and won the last three meetings by a combined score of one thirty seven to sixteen. 
Uh, the difference in this one was Miami's insane blitz numbers, though, with the Dolphins' defense logging 238 individual pass rush snaps. Lamar Jackson, st- Lamar Jackson's streak of 45 straight starts, scoring at least 14 points, ended, and this no-show for Baltimore could pay dividends toward the end of the year, especially in the wild card race. And uh, their uh, their division is not not getting any easier. With the, uh, I mean, the Browns lost obviously, but Pittsburgh is still up there. Pittsburgh is still up there. The Browns are probably going to bounce back. The Bengals are still, I mean, they haven't looked great the last few weeks, but they're still an option to be to win that division, the AFC North. I don't know. That one's a toss-up. That's probably the most difficult. Maybe the AFC West, but that might be the most difficult, other than the AFC West, most difficult uh, most difficult the division to call right now um, in the AFC North. So I have no idea how that's going to go well. I still think Lamar Jackson is the MVP, by the way. I'm going to say that. Thursday night football games are just kind of weird. They, they, it feels like this always happens on Thursday night. There's just a weird game we had, like literally two weeks ago. Mike White, or excuse me, not Mike White, um, their backup. So Josh Johnson, I, if, if I'm remembering correctly, Josh Johnson for the Jets, he went absolutely nuts, and a loss granted, and we got a scoregami. So I don't know. Thursdays are weird. I, I almost hold no, no light to the candle for Thursday night football games. They're all weird. So. Take that with what you will. MVP. Lamar MVP. We're going to hold to it. Put your futures down now. I'm not gambling advice, but put your futures down. Put them down. That's going to wrap things up for me, though, I think, this week. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in. I have been your host, James Timberlake, and you have been listening to the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast.